I'm Nala Ayed, host of Ideas. In this age of clickbait and online shouting, Ideas is a meeting ground for people who want to deepen their understanding of the world. Join me as we crack open a concept to see how it plays out over place and time and how it matters today. From the rise of authoritarianism to the history of cult movies, no idea is off limits. Ideas is on the CBC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So Kristen Chenoweth is working one day. She's this huge Broadway star. She's doing a role on a TV show. She hears action. She blinks. And then she wakes up in the hospital hours later. A light had fallen on her head. She's okay now, but this changed her life. She'll tell you about learning to advocate for herself and some of the other deep lessons that she shares in a book she's written. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Okay, so Kristen Chenoweth is a big star of Broadway. She was Glinda in the original production of Wicked that became this worldwide sensation. And you kind of get it when you hear her sing. Like a comet pulled from orbit As it passes a sun Like a stream that meets a boulder Halfway through the wood I mean, it could make you weep. Just how can somebody have that voice? Uh, Kristen Chenoweth has had this really enviable career. Big roles in movies and TV shows and more plays and Tony Awards. But as we are realizing more and more and talking about more openly than ever, I think what can seem great from the outside is often complicated on the inside. Kristen has written a book in a very frank way about her faith and some of the struggles, the very relatable struggles that she's had with things like depression and anxiety and work-life balance. Her book is called I'm No Philosopher, But I Got Thoughts. She talked with Tom Power earlier this year when the book came out, and they started by talking about everyone's favorite topic, which is learning to say, hey, maybe the millennials were right all along. Here's Kristen Chenoweth talking to Tom Power. What made you want to write a book like this? Uh, honestly, the pandemic ha- happened, and I went from 110,000% to zero uh, creatively. And... My fiance was like, just write, just write. You never have time. You always love to write. And I'm no Shakespeare, but I just started writing at night, journaling at night and seeing what came up. I also wrote a children's book during this time. So you can see like this, this person right here can't turn off her mind. And then I just really started thinking about not being able to turn off my mind and depression and anxiety and the self-care that everybody talks about the younger generation and I that I used to make fun of so hard be like oh no it's called work you pay you get work you pay, get paid you keep going you keep going and I took a lesson a page in their book the millennials and I learned that self-care is a real thing it's got to happen and how I've learned to deal with it and that has been an ongoing process for me Tom um you know each generation can teach us something and I hope this book can tell people how I've failed and how I've succeeded and some dumb things I've done and some funny things I've done and some hard times I've had. Um, what inspires me? Maybe it can inspire somebody else. Really? That's why I wrote it. And how we, how, how we have to continue to learn from each other. And that was my life lesson right there is learning from the, 
the younger generation, okay, all this stuff I made fun of, meditation and the sound baths and me time, it's real. It's real. Just to make sure I get this. So you were you were working since you were a kid. So you were working and working and working and working and there was no time to stop. And, you know, when people would say things like, oh, I need a bit of self-care or, you know, I, I got to watch out for my own mental health or, I, you know, I got to I got to meditate and all that. You were like, ah, well, you know, give it up. That's 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 sort of sooky stuff. We don't need any of that yeah. stuff, you know, like do some work. And then the pandemic happens and you go, oh, actually, this is real. Yes, that's what I did. I'm being really honest. And it's so funny, like three months ago, because we went back into work, right? And when I went back in, it's like, did I learn the lesson? No, I went in hard, hard, hard. And because I like what I do, you know, I love it. But about three months ago, I crashed and burned. Did you? I just, I stopped and I read my own book. I read my own book. I was like, you got to practice what you're preaching, girl. And I read a lot of books. I love Brene Brown. I love Marianne Williamson. I love a, a lot of authors. I love the art of spirituality. I love a lot of different books, but this one was my own. Yeah. And if I forget what it is I'm talking about, what it is I want people to learn from me or how I've learned, then I forget. It was it was a really interesting lesson have happened, you know? What what does that look like? What is as much as you want to tell me, what does crashing and burning look like for you? Stopping, my body crashed. It was like no more. No more. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. The basics of life. I, I'm a big prayer person, couldn't do that. Didn't have time for God. I was like, I'll I'll be get back to you. I mean, my friends always have to understand that I'm busy. Well, so are they. You know, making time for the people you love, it's the time for me is getting shorter and shorter. So none of us has promised anything. So I would like to live my life. I would like to nest with my fiance. I would like to see my friends instead of asking them to always understand I'm sick. I don't feel good. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Not being able to sleep, not just struggling. So and it it had to change. And the only way to change was stop again. And I did. I had to cancel a bunch of things. I'm working on work-life balance. Yeah. I know a lot of people are, and I'm working. I'm I'm a work in progress still. Can you talk to me about your kind of formative spirituality, like, it, 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 like the Bible, Christianity? Very yeah. like, formative for you as a young person, right? Oh yeah, I grew up in the South. Um, that's like what we do. <laughs> we come out of the womb going. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> and then you eventually have to grow up and say, what is it that you really believe in? And it turns out for me it is. But it might not look like what other people consider Christianity, I think. Like, I think acceptance and tolerance, not just tolerance, but acceptance of people where they are in their life and loving all people. That's what we're supposed to do, right? And sometimes Christians don't, we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, right? We we lead with judgment. A lot of people lead with judgment, and I'm I don't want to do that in my life. I want to. There's all kinds of different beliefs. There's all kinds of different lifestyles. Who am I to say? No one. I don't want to be judged for how I live, so I prefer not to do that. And in fact, stand up for people who can't or don't feel that they have had a voice. You know, I I'm not saying oh congratulate me. I just 
It's just something that's really important to me. And I think one of the reasons why I'm in this business is to have a voice for as a Christian person, but also let people know you're not wrong. You're not going to hell. It's yeah. okay. Can you talk to me about um, eat the fish, not the bones? Yeah, that's what we're talking about right now, Tom. Thank you. So my grandmother, she had a direct line to God, direct what, line to heaven. What was her name? Mildred. Mildred Chenoweth. Mil- what a name. Lovely name. Eh? I mean, and she was strict, but she knew how to have fun, too. She would always say funny things like, you know, I'm going to go play cards with the Church of Christ. Pray for me. I mean, you can't write it. That's what she said. But one day I, I went to her. I was in freshman college. And one of my friends is like, am I going to hell because I'm gay? I was like, no, this actually started for me in the third grade with a friend of mine. who People were calling her a bad name and I didn't understand. And so it's been a recurring theme. And I just went to my grandma. I said, how can this be wrong? How can this be wrong? Who, who you love? And she said, you know what I do? And this is a big, staunch Christian woman. I read the Bible like I eat fish. I take the meat that serves me well, but I don't choke on a bone. And then she said, don't tell anybody. And of course, I've shouted it from the rooftops because it's so beautiful and so how I believe. It's how I believe. To take the nourishing parts of a spirituality. Take what you need. Yeah. That you will, but yeah. don't choke on a bone. Don't don't get held up or hurt yourself or 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 hurt others. Hurt others based on the other stuff. I understand. I understand that. Correct. Were you when you're writing something like this, which has like um, prayers in it and it, you know references to to various biblical passages and um, how much uh, is on? I mean, it must be a fair bit. Like how much is on your mind of people who may have different faiths or perhaps like no faith at all. In, in uh, reading your book? I find that we're human. And, you know, I quote everybody from Dolly to Ian Forster to Emily Dickinson, who was a known atheist, to Elizabeth Edwards, to Mark Twain, to Brene Brown, who I love. I think I quote things that inspire me. And then I put my own spin on it. Like I wrote a song many years ago called WWWD, What Would Dolly Do? She's, of course, in there because I cannot figure out what... I can't mind, meet anybody that doesn't in, inspire by her. Caught you in the saddle with some Jolene Looks like she lost her battle with Maybelline I got an open mind, but three ways in my scene For me, I just want, I want to be a positive, I want to look at life positively and I want to send out this gift of me failing. You know, the other day I was on Instagram, the gram, and I saw a girl saying, today this is what I did. I failed at my audition. I failed at this. I failed at that. And she hashtag normalized fail. And I, I liked it because me, I don't like to talk about that word. But the truth is we all fail. We all have, if you're a person at all, you probably have anxiety. I know I've battled it in depression and nobody would think that, right? There's a conception about me or a misconception that everything's rainbows and unicorns and pink, but it isn't. It's not me complaining. It's just, we're all human and we're all just trying to get along. Whether we believe the same or don't, we can still meet and still talk. Um, I think that's super important right now. 
but before you accepted it, like before you accepted, okay, it's okay to fail, it's okay to have anxiety, it's okay to have depression. What did those moments look like for you when you would feel that way, but you sort of hadn't accepted that it was okay to be be that way? What did that look like for you? Well, I have a chair that I did in the South that I made up. It goes, push it down, push it down, way down, push it down, push it down, <laughs> way down. And you and I both know that you push things down long enough, what's going to happen? I'm I'm Irish Catholic. That's that's what we we chant that in my house every single day. Of you course, know? Yeah. Southern Baptists grow up that way. <laughs> yeah, same. But if you push it down long enough, what's going to happen? It's going to come up in sickness and your verbiage and everything looks like a mountain, depression, anxiety, all the things that we're taught about mm. and that I push down, push down until I couldn't do it anymore. And that's that's a great fail for me. It's a great fail. It's just now um, dawned on me that that's what I view it as a great fail because I never wanted people to know that I battled anything like this or had struggles or looked at harmony or discord or how I looked at things, uh, humble pie, all the stuff, vertigo, all the crap. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm talking about it. And I'm glad people can see me. This is a book, The Odds in My Voice. I wrote it. Joni Rogers helped me make it pretty, I say, but I write it because I want it to be real. I want it to be authentic. That's the title. I'm no philosopher. I had to fight. I wanted it to be called, I'm no philosopher, but I got some thoughts instead of I've got thoughts. But they said, no, no, you just put I've got thoughts. But it is my med- little things I've learned and med- mm-hmm. little med- meditations and some stuff you can, in my first book in 2009, I wrote questions for God at the very end. And I, it was like a postscript. And I thought, no one's going to care about that. Oh, it was the big thing of the book, questions for God. And I, God, and I asked the questions just like the, the normal ones that I have, like, why do people hate gay people? I don't understand. Why, you know, what happened to John Bonet? Tell me. Like questions, just questions. I have part two in this book and I have a place where people can write their answers too. Cause everybody's got questions. Even if they don't believe in a higher power, you got to kind of wonder about some stuff. Mm. I think, think you got to kind of wonder, maybe you're not writing questions for God, so to speak, but just writing like, what does this mean? Let me, let me reintroduce you here. My guest is Kristen Chenoweth, Tony and Emmy winning award winner, a really multi-talented performer. We're talking about a brand new book. I'm no philosopher, but I, I've got thoughts. Um, <laughs> I want to. One of the things I love about the book is the way you write, sort of about your early days, which I didn't know that much about. I wonder if you might be able to tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, very early on, you sing, and I didn't know this could happen. You sing in your church mm-hmm. so well that you get brought to other churches to sing. Can yeah. you can you tell me that story? Yeah. Well, first of all, Tom, I didn't know that could happen either. I just was invited. I grew up in kind of a big church, like a mega church. And then other churches heard about this little girl with a big voice. What were you singing in that first church? It was a, oh it was a Gaither song, right? What? I love you for knowing that. It's called Jesus, I Heard You Had a Big House. <laughs> how does that go? You don't have to sing it, but how does that go? Jesus, I heard you had a big house with plenty of love to go around. I heard you had singing and laughter. I just love, and that's kind of stuck with me to this day. Jesus, I heard you. He's got yeah. a big old Big house. Everyone's welcome in it. So you, yes. so you, that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. So you sing that song, and then you get like American idled to other churches. Yes, yes. And then invited to the Southern Baptist Convention, which is like ten thousand people, and you're, you know, twelve. 
and you're like, hmm, I want to make sure I don't screw this up. My dad had gotten a Radio Shack mic. I practiced with it. Um, and then I sang that song and I sang another song. I'm only four foot 11, but I'm going to heaven and it makes me feel 10 feet tall. These are real songs, people. I did <laughs> sing them. And then it just sort of grew from that. And so did my faith. And so did, as an adult, really understanding like, you have a you have a place in this world in this in this business show yeah and you need to i know god has me there for a reason and this is one of them to tell people as a christian the gay community you're not a sinner you're not a sinner you're just loving who you love like i do right yeah and it, it, there's a big house important. as you mentioned yeah, yeah. it's important to say there's um there's another story here. So you 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 get recognized for your incredible voice, and the vibe I get is that you can kind of do no wrong. Like <laughs> everything you're doing is you're nailing it. You have this real you have this incredible gift of a of a voice. Then you go to this class with this very famous uh, voice teacher, and this is part of the book that I I had never heard anyone talk about this before. Is the difference between humility and humiliation. And the yes. story is, is that uh, Florence Birdwell, is that her name? Yes, that's my teacher. Yeah, that was my teacher. She, she was your teacher. So you go in, you tell it, you, you go in and you sing the biggest, like biggest old Broadway jam in the world, right? Yeah, I, brought, I sang New York, New York, of course, in Oklahoma City, at Oklahoma City University, which is a great, great vocal program and dance program. And you're thinking, I, I got this. I'm, I'm good, you know? Oh, yeah. I, she had all the, uh, this was the first day of my freshman year. And we were told to come to master class and some people were going to be chosen to sing, but not freshmen. So she had a big, a girl come in, a big star, local star that she taught sing an aria. She was graduating this year. That would have been her last year. And then she said, before we go, I would like to invite Kristen, Christy Chenoweth to come up here and sing. And I had a, a melt. I was like inside going, what? And then I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to show everybody. This is my chance. Start spreading the, you know, you and, do it the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I get up there and I do the whole song. I did like, I think I did the splits in it. I think a high <laughs> C. Oh, yeah. I just brought it. I brought it. The whole class. Yeah. The whole studio clapped and clapped and clapped. And she went, oh, I can't wait to teach you how to sing. And I remember almost crushing my soul. And what she meant, come to find out all those years of training with her, what she meant is not just sing here, sing here from the heart, from the brain, from the muscles, from the soul, from the spirit and sing when you don't feel like it. Sing when you're happiest. Use the technique. What she meant was so many things. But of course, my little freshman ears heard you're terrible. Mm. You suck and you just sucked in front of everybody. Mm. No, she was being it might not be the technique for everybody, but it was the right one for me. She, she toughened me up. She toughened me up it because was, I had to be tough. I was so sensitive. It was humility versus humiliation, as you mentioned. Correct. Yeah. And that's why I wrote about that very word in the book. We're getting so, we have to be careful with our feelings. Yes, they're important. Yes, we acknowledge them. Yes, we have therapy. Yes, we talk about them. We take mental health days. That's all so important. As I've learned, we also have to know when it's, time to to grab it and go and take everything you've learned and sometimes you're not going to get it sometimes it's going to be hard and i'm not just talking about performers i'm talking about life and you got to keep going and keep moving and that's that's humility that's crashing and burning in some yeah. ways 
It's the only way to get better. But but I'm, I'm my guess is though. I mean, I, I'm not an actor, as you can probably tell from this. But like, I <laughs> I, I, I don't. Uh, that's why they they looked at me and they went, you know what? Maybe radio. The the. Uh, <laughs> The, You're pretty cute to me. Oh, get out of here. Get out of it's here. True. So, um, but friends of mine who are in, in theater, in fact, the producer of this piece, uh, Mitch, you know, he came from the acting and, and theater. Um, awesome. But he, 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 I mean, he's told me things and, I, and, and, and other people have told me things, and I'm sure you've seen, that not every teacher is on the humility side of the humility no. versus humiliation. I'm sure over your years, especially like your formative years in, in theater, you probably saw some teachers who went more to the humiliation side, right? Yeah, I mean, I hope this comes out all right. It's not the army. We're not in the army. We don't have to tear us down to bring us back up. Yeah. There's an art to toughening someone up. But you've seen that. You've seen the bad part of that, right? Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. And you know what it did? It made me go, I never want to be like that. If, if someday I teach, I never want to be like that. And also, when I saw it happen, which I did, I went to the person it happened to and I said, moving on. Who cares about that idiot? Yeah. Moving on. And that goes into encouragement. I've had a lot of people encourage me, and that's one of the things I one of the reasons I wrote the book. I want to encourage others. Don't let the, don't sweat the small stuff, but if it's big, it's okay. It's okay to say. People that humiliate hate themselves. They don't like themselves. So really to look at the finger and go, say, it's not about you. You know, you wake up one day and you realize not everything's about you, you know? And when people humiliate, it's about them. That's the first part of Tom's conversation with Kristen Chenoweth. They've been talking about her book called I'm No Philosopher, But I Got Thoughts. They have covered so much ground, but if you can believe it, there is more and you do not want to miss the story that Kristen tells next. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. That's coming up on Q. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's a risky business, but I just wanted more people to know that it's okay to walk on a set and say, am I good? Are we good? Advocate for yourself. Yes, because I didn't. I'm I'm glad you're... What came with that was a lot of anxiety and bitterness. So the story you're going to hear in just a minute, that's sort of what this clip is about, is this horrible accident that Kristen Chenoweth survived, and it changed her life forever. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Uh, You're in the middle of Tom's conversation with Kristen. She's this huge Broadway and screen star. They're talking about her book called I'm No Philosopher, But I Got Thoughts. And when you pick it up, you sort of think you're getting into a light, breezy book of affirmations, but there is some deep, hard-earned wisdom in there, including a moment, as you just heard on set, that changed Kristen's life. And that is where they pick things up. 
One of the things you write about in this book um, was this sort of horrific accident that happened to you on the set of The Good Wife. Kristen, if you don't mind, can you tell that story? Sure. I was getting ready to do, I think, a six-episode arc. I just returned from touring Australia, so I was on a really massive high. I was so excited to be working in New York City, you know, living in my home. And it was my third day. We shouldn't have been shooting outside. The wind was really high. And the last thing I, I was waiting for my cue outside with a Blackberry. Okay. And I heard action and I woke up in the hospital. What I heard was sounded like a sailboat, you know, like um, the flagpole. Mm -hmm. I heard that a lot, but I didn't think to question. I didn't think, who am I to say, are we sure we should be doing this? I literally heard we're losing our light. I literally heard that saying. And I woke up in Bellevue, which is where they send a lot of trauma um, patients, especially from the prison in here in New York. And um, I had a seven inch skull fracture, some cracked teeth, hairline fractures in my nose, really bad neck that was already injured from before and cracked ribs. And what sucked was I didn't have the strength to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it because I was afraid I wouldn't be hired again in television. In fact, it was brought up to me that if I did take action, I wouldn't work again in television. And it was also CBS who has a totally different regime now, a great regime, but then it was a different person. And I was scared and I was weak and I wanted to tell it because it's really not about them. It's about my action. And obviously I have lots of residual from it. And if I had it to do over again, I would what? Make sure I was taken care of. But I was scared. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the complainer. But the fact is, lighting equipment fell on my head and threw me into a curb and gave me a skull fracture. I mean, the fact is, I was very injured. The doctor had said to me, if it moved over a little bit, I would have been dead. Oh, my God. So I'm really glad. I mean, a lot of my friends, way more well-known than I, said, you must take action. I said, no, no, I won't work again in TV. Yeah. My parents were furious. Kristen, you have to. I'm sorry I didn't. I'm really sorry. And you know what happened anyway? That regime kind of cut me off anyway. So I even got in trouble for not even doing it. Right. Even though you yeah. didn't do anything, right. they, they, right. they kind of So got the it. truth is, just take care of yourself because yeah. no one's going to do it. What What made you want to, given that the theme of the book is in so many, so many ways like how to, how to stay on, on course, how to look after yourself, how to stay inspired. Why did you want to share that very tragic story in there? I wanted other people on the job, no matter what their job is, especially performers, because that's the line of business I'm in, to feel okay when you walk on a set and go, is the lighting, I need to talk to the gaff, gaffer, I need to talk to, is everything, I, there isn't a set that I go on, don't go on, and the directors know, I talked to all of them about it. Am I safe? Are we all safe? Because I never want it to see. I never want to see it happen again. You know, in in the st strong the big before the before the vaccines came out, um, when we were really still being so so careful, and we still should be. By the way, we're in it. Yeah. The horrible tragedy happened on the set of Rust, the movie. Yeah. And but I don't I don't want to get into it. Other than I think. Safety on sets, especially, is so, so overlooked. 
And I, I went down a rabbit hole one night and watched people like even Hillary and Bill Clinton were doing an interview once and the lighting equipment kind of fell on her. And I was like, it was a small silk, but still it's a risky business, but there's lots of risky business. There's construction, there's name it. it. But I just wanted more people to know that it's okay to walk on a set, really get to know your crew. I love the crew anyway. And say, am I good? Are we good? Advocate for yourself. Yes. Because I didn't. I'm, I'm glad you're... And what came with that was a lot of anxiety and bitterness. I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. Thank you. I thought in the last couple of minutes, um, what we could do is I could play you one of your famous roles, and you could tell me a philosophical... Oh, she's excited. Uh, you could tell me a philosophical lesson from one of those characters. So oh let's, let's, start, let's start with this one. Okay. From the Broadway cast recording of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, that's my guest, Kristen Chenoweth, performing the song, My New Philosophy, in the character of... Sally Brown. Sally Brown. Um, I got something to tell you about Sally Brown afterwards. Give me the philosophical lesson that Sally Brown either teaches us or has taught you. I loved playing her because she's actually the real... She She's full of philosophies. She has no filter. And as kids... Don't they? The more, the more we grow up, we have filters. So I, my philosophy, that great song by Andrew Lippa, but my philosophy from it is, try not to lose your filter, have fun, and ask questions. Don't be afraid. <laughs> All right, ready for the next one? Yeah. Popular, you're gonna be popular. I'll teach you the proper poise when you talk to boys. Little ways to flirt and flounce. Ooh, I'll show you what shoes to wear, how to fix your hair. That is from the smash hit musical Wicked, Kristen Chenoweth as? Glenda. (laughs) What do you learn from Glenda the Good Witch? I think she presents herself one day, one way, but she's altogether something different. She's actually the villain in the beginning. It's the growth she has to the end that's so why I wanted to play her. And also don't be afraid to wear pink. (laughs) It's um it's a really it's a really beautiful book and I'm happy we got to talk about it because it's not just a book of of sort of beautiful inspirational messages but you do share some challenging parts of your life and I think that's that's just as as meaningful. So thank you so much thank for you. making the time for us today. It's lovely to talk to thank you. Thank you. Thank you Tom, you're amazing. And you know, I I've, I've been in Canada a lot and worked there mostly. And I just want to say hi to everybody. <laughs> we're saying we're saying hi back to you. I love me my Holt Renfrew, okay? Uh, come on up. We'll go to Holt Renfrew. Uh, Let's go. I'm speaking. Uh, that was my guest, singer, performer, and author Kristen Chenna with her new book, I'm No Philosopher, But I've Got Thoughts. Mini Meditations for Saints, Sinners, and the Rest of Us is out now. That was Tom Powers' conversation with Kristen Chenoweth from earlier this year when her book came out. They covered so much ground. That interview is one of those examples of a Rorschach conversation, right? You take something different out of it depending on where you might be in your life when you hear it. I remember the first time hearing it being so struck by what Kristen's grandma Mildred said earlier on, like in the first part. She said, eat the fish, not the bones, as in take what's nourishing, leave the rest. Definitely stayed with me. So thanks for that, Kristen and Tom. 
That's it for this episode of the podcast, but you can find another episode in your feed right now. This is the kind of conversation that I don't get to have every day. I talked with Ramesh Mayapan, who is an actor and director and a deaf person who has made his whole life and career devoted to figuring out physical storytelling, how to communicate whether you are a hearing person or not uh, with your body. So he will talk about developing his new play, Lady M, which brings together hearing and deaf actors on stage together. It blew up the frame in terms of the way I think about communicating. You can find that in your feed right now. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. I'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.